everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. Venom, how are you doing? Greetings and salutations, trick-or-treaters. Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well, uh, despite the movie that I just watched, but that's okay. We'll get into it here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's any indication of where things could possibly go... Um... <laughs> it's going to be quite the show. All right. Also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? <sighs> Between the last two weeks, I'm really not looking forward to any more franchise reboots. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Don, <laughs> speaking my language. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't, I mean, I don't think anyone needed any hints or clues to know what we were talking about. We pretty much announced it. It's one of the bigger releases. Practically, uh, practically every social media post I've seen the past (laughs) 48, 72 hours. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And you can kind of tell too, because, you know, with with our recording schedule, especially when it comes to theatrical, I mean, we pretty much record the Monday after it came out, but this time I see like lots of shows that have already put out their, their reviews of it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I posted today, there was seven shows that have already covered this. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just the ones I'm familiar with. I mean, I, I I have no interest in scrolling through Spotify or Apple Podcasts to find everything out there, but yeah, just between the ones that I am aware of, there's already seven. Yeah, it makes sense with, you know, the build-up and hype. And, you know, it's a – regardless of what we end up, end up you know, thinking about this uh, entry, it is like a big, popular, well-known franchise. So it makes sense why, you know, people want to get their stuff out. And, of course, we are talking about Halloween Ends, the uh, third of the trilogy of this new modern take, I guess, on Halloween um, by David Gordon Green – and yeah, this is pro. I mean, as far as we know, this is the end of this arc. Uh, I would not. I mean, it'd be a fool's way of thinking, I guess, to assume that there will be no more Halloween movies. There certainly will be. They make too much money. But this is probably it for at least David Gordon Green's take on it. Um, I don't know. I mean, not much more needs to be said. I don't really even think I need to read a synopsis on this. It's a Halloween movie. Uh, and it, really, the synopsis just said, "Hey, it's the uh, climax of the saga." But is it really? I don't know. We'll uh, we'll find out. So I guess we're gonna get into it now. Venom, we were kind of discussing earlier today. Did we just want to get right into it, like throw up a spoiler warning now, so we can just have free reign? Because exactly, I, there's probably a lot to say about this. You know, regardless negative or positive or anything. There's just a lot to get into, so it might you you might be correct that we're better served to just go right in. Yeah, I figure th- this is going to be a movie that's going to be really difficult for us to give our general thoughts without getting spoilery, especially considering how absolutely poorly this movie was advertised. I'll be getting into that gripe here in a little bit. But yeah, we figured that 
this is the biggest horror release of the year. This is the movie that everybody's been waiting to see. Most people are going to watch this right away. It's, it's available in theaters and on streaming. So literally anyone on the planet who wants to see this movie will see it. So we figured with all those factors together, it didn't make sense to do a spoiler free, you know, general thoughts section. We figured let's get right to the meat and bones of this thing. Cause uh, we got a lot to say. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I'll still kick it to you first. I mean, I, I guess we can still kind of like, if yeah. we want a general thought about with spoilers, that way we just don't have to worry about cutting corners on the general thought. So I'll just kind of kick it to you. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can, you know, start with saying like what were your kind of feelings going into this, given the first two movies. Uh, you know, we did do reviews of those on the show, but it's been a while. So there could be new listeners that have no idea what we thought about the other one. So if you kind of just want to kind of mold all that into like your opening statement on the movie. Yeah, sure. It'll be, it'll be quick and easy. Loved Halloween 2018, hated Halloween kills. Done. <laughs> I mean, honestly, oh, all right. There we I'm go. Um, I will second. Uh, I, I will second that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 it's one of those things that I didn't expect anything from this movie because of how much I disliked Halloween Kills. And mind you, I didn't hate Halloween Kills. Like I didn't hate it with a passion by any stretch. It's just an incredibly poor movie. It's a poor excuse for a Halloween movie. I know a lot of people like to call it a bridge movie. That you know, since it's the middle part of a trilogy. They're a little bit more forgiving. I, I myself am not. I judge movies individually, not as, you know, either a franchise or a trilogy or whatever the case may be. If you ask me my thoughts on an entire trilogy, I'll tell you. But we are here to review a movie. And ultimately, that's just how I went into this one. I, I, I expected very little and I got very little. So honestly, I wasn't disappointed. So for whatever <laughs> it's worth, my expectations were right on this time. And that's unfortunate because... Um, I, I, I honestly believe that this, these filmmakers hit a home run with 2018. I thought it was a spectacular return to form, uh, both for Lori and Michael. I loved Lori's new, you know, PTSD laden backstory. I, I loved, you know, Michael's brutality It just all of it. The filmmaking elements of the first one, just, yeah, I loved it all. It's like 2018 was in my top 10 for that year. Um, not in the top half, but, you know, somewhere near the bottom of my top 10, but I still legitimately love that film. And then Halloween Kills comes and it literally with, with the evil dies tonight shit. I mean, I literally died inside a little bit every time someone said that line in the movie. I, it just it was so hokey, so stupid. And somehow these filmmakers thought that was cool, that that's what people were looking for. A rah-rah moment where they can all get together and, you know, um, partake in the death of this, you know, prolific serial killer. But uh, I just feel like they missed the big time on Halloween Kills. And I have a lot of the same feelings on this one. Not exactly the same. There are elements of Halloween Ends that I enjoyed. Um, some parts that I really enjoyed, um, but for the most part, this was an incredibly disappointing two hours as our final entry into one of the greatest horror franchises of all time. Mind you, I'm not a Halloween guy. I'm solidly a Friday and Texas Chainsaw way more than I am, say, a Michael and a Freddy. But, I, you know, obviously I was around in 78. I didn't actually see Halloween in 78. I think I saw it the first time right before Halloween 2 came out in 81. So I kind of caught up and then and then saw Halloween, too. But so I have spent the large majority of my life with this franchise, among other franchises as well. But 
you know, getting to see the ups and the downs and absolutely falling in love with something like Halloween three, just to kind of go into the, uh, the cult of thorn trilogy after that. I, I've definitely had some ups and downs with this franchise and unfortunately we're going to end it on a down note and that's just really too bad. But I mean, yeah, I guess uh, that's kind of my look at the trilogy. Let's get into Halloween ends. I'm going to try to be as quick as possible since we are doing spoilers. I do tend to go a long winded uh, when I'm discussing movies. So I'm going to try to be as quick as possible and I'm going to say that this movie isn't awful. I'm seeing a lot of people say that it's a dumpster fire. It's, it's absolute garbage. I don't think that. It's still a well-made film as far as its filmmaking goes. It's a poorly written film, but I'll get into that in a little bit. But as far as its filmmaking goes, I didn't have any problems with it. Watched it once in the theater this weekend and watched it again today at home. Um, didn't have any issues with darkness or being able to see anything. Um, didn't, there weren't really too many cringy lines in this one. You know, no evil dies tonight garbage, thank God. So that, that made me a lot happier. But it's an incredibly flawed film. I mean, this is a Halloween movie that has a cold open that involves neither a Strode or a Myers. What the fuck kind of decision making is that? This is the last Halloween movie and you're giving me a cold open with, with none of the players that we're familiar with? That's just, that's strike one right there. And this movie has about 18 strikes. So it's already, it's already struck out the side at this point. But yeah, this, this, that right there, first decision that just goes wrong. Um, I did like the narration from Laurie throughout the film. I'm not usually a narration guy unless it's Morgan Freeman, but in this one, it felt earned. You know, Laurie has lived with this horror for, you know, 42 plus years now. Um, on top of the fact that we find out that she's writing a book about her experiences. So the narration is actually her reading from her book. I was very okay with that. And plus, I love Jamie Lee Curtis, ultimately. Um, but then we get into this story. And my friends, this is, this is supposed to be the, the final Halloween movie, right? Somebody explain to me why we don't see Michael until the 41 minute mark of this film. Let me repeat that. The 41 fucking minute mark of this film. I have to wait until I get to see the one, well, one of the two people that I'm here to see. Um, I will say that I enjoyed Lori early on as far as her characterization, the fact that she kind of moved on from her trauma. She's trying to have a, a decent life with her granddaughter, Allison. They recently got a house, blah, blah, blah. So like I said, there are elements of the movie that I do like. There are elements of the movie that I just can't stand. This whole Corey Cunningham uh, side story that, well, not even side story, fucking main story of this film just is not compelling. It wasn't interesting. I didn't give a rat fuck about this character. He was a loser that, you know, yes, okay, he had an unfortunate event happen early but then this dipshit doesn't make the decision to leave town. Like he still decides he wants to stay and become a pariah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like I said, this movie is filled with decisions like that, that make absolutely no sense. The one saving grace that I will give this film is its final 15 minutes. I actually did very much enjoy the final 15 minutes of this movie. And for those who've seen the film, the final 15 minutes is basically um, the suicide call all the way to the end. So from the from the moment the suicide call is made to the end, I enjoyed this movie because, again, it felt earned watching the funeral procession. Again, it felt earned. This town deserved that kind of closure after dealing with this this guy for 40 plus years. 
Obviously, I know, you know, in this current timeline, there's a 40 year break between 78 and 2018. Um, so it's not like the town is actually living with murder upon murder upon murder every single Halloween. But they still have lived with the stigma of this boogeyman being a Haddonfield native. And so the whole thing with the funeral procession, um, the destruction of Michael's body, like all of it, even the final line of the movie with Laurie having a sweet moment with Frank totally enjoyed all of that but the, the last 15 minutes of the movie unfortunately cannot save the first hour and 30 what hour and 40 minutes of the movie so unfortunately i'm going to be coming in pretty low on this one i still say it's worth seeing because it, it does definitively seem like the end of this um at least this iteration of the halloween franchise i mean it's a pretty you know once we get to the actual end it's a pretty gnarly end for michael myers but uh, obviously money talks and this movie already made over 41 million this weekend on a 20 million dollar budget so it's already a success after one weekend do not be surprised if before 2030 we get yet another uh halloween reboot at least i won't be surprised but yeah i'm gonna leave my general thoughts at i didn't hate this movie but i didn't like it it is an incredibly flawed and underwhelming film and honestly, it's kind of a slap in the face to end the franchise like this. Uh, I'll leave it at that for now. All right, Don, uh, go ahead and pick it right up where uh, Venom left off. What do you think of Halloween Ends? Yeah, um, I, I absolutely second um, his take on the original three. Um, I, I really enjoy uh, 18. I thought that one was a lot of fun. Did a lot of stuff right. Introduced some great cat. Introduced a great cast that I really uh, enjoyed, and I, I wasn't a fan of a lot of the retconning at first, but uh, eventually it won me over. And a lot of what it did, uh, it did right. Uh, I was like him. I think I had it just outside of my top ten, or if it was, it was like maybe ten or nine or eight or somewhere in there. I, I don't remember exactly, but. Yeah, I, I had a lot of high hopes for uh, – I, I, I really enjoyed the original, and uh, I had a lot of high hopes for uh, kills. But, yeah, um, a lot of that uh, kind of dissipated with uh, just moronic decisions, uh, lame characters, and one of the most insipid and just outright irksome catchphrase lines or whatever the fuck that thing was supposed to be. Just – yeah, um you call it uh, grading. Uh, that was probably one of the more pleasant experiences I had with that one. So, yeah, again, not necessarily going into this one uh, very high. Um, like him, I'm I, I'm a bit more of a Michael, Michael guy than uh, Leatherface. Um, but, wow, just so much of this thing is just... Uh, is just wrong. I, I mean, I, I understand where the mentality is with Allison here in trying to, you know, utilize the relationship as a means of trying to, you know, move on and use it as a, you know, as a healing process. But there's just so many fucking red flags to this guy. Like any girl who has any semblance of a brain in her head would realize that this guy is an abject loser who has no, remark has no redeeming qualities whatsoever 
And the whole thing is rushed through with absolutely zero chemistry between the two of them. Like, their meet-cute is not that impressive. Their relationship is breezed through to the point where they're saying, I love you and sleeping together the next day. (laughs) And this is the first 40, 45 minutes of the film. Now, Venom was correcting that he said that Michael, you know, that's like, you know, Michael appears like 40, 45 minutes in. He doesn't do shit for another 15 minutes. We see him once. (laughs) We see him that one time. He lets the victim go because he doesn't have enough strength to finally kill him. And then by the time he finally does have the strength to kill somebody, it's like 57, 58 minutes. I think I checked on the thing because I... I, I, I wasn't anticipating it to be a kill. I was anticipating it to be something else. And I went to go get some snacks and it was like 56 or 57 minutes on the thing or whatever. But yeah, it's like an hour before he actually does something. And I, I, I read somewhere and one of my friends posted this where he said that this, this whole trilogy, the 18 kills and ends, all of these are loose remakes of the original three in the trilogy. You have 18 being a loose remake of part one. You know, Michael's escapes during the night. The doctor's, you know, checking on him. Who knows who he is? You know, there's a final girl showdown at the house and, you know, all the, you know, hoopla that surrounds that. Kills is basically a remake of part two. Laurie's in the hospital. The majority of the film, you know, Michael is just an out and out savage, just hunting her down as much as he can. And he's, you know, a far more vicious and brutal killer than what the original, what he was in the original. And then this here is sort of a loose remake of three where, you know, Michael's not in it all that much. And, you know, he's not in it that much. There's a romance angle at the beginning of the, you know, that that carries the majority of the first act of the film pretty much all the way through. But at least in the, in the original Halloween three, Chalice and uh, the nurse, I, I, I never remember her name, um, the girl that turns into a robot, at least they had chemistry together. It was kind of an awkward chemistry considering, you know, he's literally her daddy, but at, at least there is some chemistry there, and that's just what this one's missing. There's nothing between Maddie and or Allison, and I, Allison and Corey that makes me care about the two of them. You know, you've it's just so frustrating because that's not what I want in a Halloween kills. Like this should be, you know, Michael on a rampage killing. He's been dead for four years and this is the first time he shows up and this is the rampage we get. He shows, I mean, you know, I can barely even count what he does in this is a rampage because I'm sure we're going to talk about this, you know, later on. Half the shit is Corey doing it. So Michael's not even responsible for most of the deaths in this thing. Some of them are admittedly impressive practical-wise, but then others are just kind of underwhelming. But yeah, the, 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 the final 15 minutes where, you know, Venom was like, okay, the, the phone call onward is great. And I, I do agree. That is, you know, absolutely the best part of the film. But if that gets clipped to YouTube, just watch that. Don't even bother with the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the final confrontation is fun. Um, I, I I do prefer, actually, the confrontation in H2O, the 98 one. Yeah. 
I, I do prefer that. I do think that is a better confrontation between Michael and Laurie. I, I do think that one's severely underrated, and it's one of the bright spots of that film. But, yeah, just overall, there's just so much wrong here that I'm not entirely sure if Jason Bloom is worth a weight in gold anymore. I mean, between all of the direct-to-video stuff that he's thrown his name at, throwing his name onto this one and the other one in the series... He's kind of lost a lot of brownie points with me, and uh, I'm not entirely sure if he's somebody that we should hold in high regard just because he throws his name behind it. Uh, he's His name is uh, Bloom has fallen off the rose, to coin a bad pun. But, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where I stand. Bloom has lost his bloom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for me... Um, I am not really high on <clears throat> the first two, although I will say out of the three, I think 2018 is the best one. It's the one I can be most charitable with because even though I wasn't like thrilled with it, I think by the end of it, it, it's set up like uh, it, it was a fine setup. Even if I didn't like particularly like some aspects of it, I felt at the end of it, okay, it's at least setting up, like a potential for like, let's see what comes next. Like I was fine with like, okay, when they come out with Halloween kills, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. Then Halloween kills came out and I was like, Oh, well, I'm not so excited anymore. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I mean, I just wanted to keep it brief with those. I mean, compared to this, I think 2018 is damn near masterpiece, yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when I when the credits were rolling on this, the first thought I had was this feels like a movie that they originally had a specific idea for and they had to rewrite stuff because I also had heard that this movie did screen like what 6 8 months ago and then they went in and or was it that or was it like during pandemic or something where they went in and like rewrote portions of the script i have a theory that this movie potentially would have pissed people off even more because i think a certain thing was supposed to happen after a certain scene and either studios or it was either the studios that leaned on them or they second guessed themselves and said we can't do that because people are going to be pissed if from that point on there's no more of this and I'll get into that once we get into spoilers. I mean, technically, we're already talking yeah. spoilers, but I'll <laughs> say it. We all know what I'll you're be more. About. <laughs> I'll be more detailed. Okay, when, okay, when Corey is in the sewer, and they do that horrendous transfer. I don't. I don't even know what the hell we call it. The transfer of evil. I don't think there was a transfer. <laughs> See, that's. The, I, I heard someone else saying that too. I don't think there was a transfer. I think Corey was just evil. I think Michael just recognized it. You're not the first one to think that there was some kind of transfer of evil. Well, when they looked in each other's eyes, didn't like Corey saw Corey's light flash before his eyes because he thought, I I think what I'm thinking is that his light flashed before his eyes because he thought he was about to die. And at the same time, Michael kind of sensed all of it, all the evil things that Corey's done up to that point, or maybe not evil, but at least bad. I, I like I said, that's just the way I took it. I don't know if I'm right or not, but I took it as Michael recognized 
that evil only, recognizes it, evil too. Exactly. Iron sharpens iron, evil recognizes evil. Yep. That's how I took it. Okay. So yeah, okay, so back to what I was saying. I I just had this hunch that because Michael's in this weakened state and then we get that scene and then pretty much from there on out until like the last, you know, what, 15 minutes or so, mm-hmm. maybe 20 minutes, uh we're without Michael. I just have this hunch that originally Michael was supposed to die in the sewer and Corey took over and that was it for Michael. Oh, which makes it even worse. And it it makes it even more ridiculous to me because that just shows potentially that they had this zany idea and they didn't even stick with it. Kind of like it it harkens back to the nightmare remake when like, Oh, let's flirt with him being innocent, but he really wasn't where it's like, if it's like, we're taking these swings, but then we're only really bunting. Like we're taking, we're a half committing to these new, innovative ideas and then we can't do it because we know what's going to happen if Mike yeah, but done if you do movie. if you do if you go with that idea then you would have also had to redo the entire finale because Corey's dies first so how would that have worked out if Corey dies first before the final confrontation between Laurie and Michael well that's what he means well, he, he thinks that's that what that I'm saying because I yeah, because I read that they, oh, they reshot okay. a significant amount of, of movie. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like, well, what what could have been different? And to me, it just feels disjointed because I'll be honest. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that the finale of this wasn't good. I agree that it, compared to the rest of the movie, it was good. But by the time that finale even comes around, I, the wind the winds are out of my sails for like my interest in the movie. And to me, Michael goes out with such a whimper. I mean, obviously when they throw him in the compactor thing or whatever, the grind, I don't even industrial grinder, industrial grinder, like that act itself is like cool. But I just felt like the lead up to that when he's fighting Lori, I'm like, Lori's a freaking what in her seventies. And it it just felt like a lackluster finale between them. And by the time that happened, it was like, we've gotten this, the majority of the movie that was about completely something else. And now, okay. And then it's almost like they were like, okay, but we have to have Michael come in at the end just to do this. And it was by, by the time it even happens, I'm just like, I, what the hell movie am I watching now? Like, I, I, I don't, I, I, I it feels dis- disjointed to me and a mess. And the, here's my other thing. If you wanted to make this type of movie or, with these characters, this Corey character, this is the type of character that needs to be developed over the course of a trilogy or at least a couple movies. Um, because every it's weird to say in a two-hour running time that it feels rushed through, but I think it's because this is also a Halloween movie and you're still they're still trying to do Halloween-y things in here, but then also do this Corey story. So far, so even with a two-hour writing time, I feel like the whole Corey character, the relationship with Allison, it just feels really rushed through. Like she basically yeah. wants to jump his bones from the minute she lays eyes on him, which is ridiculous. <laughs> that girl's horny. Like, <laughs> like it's not even like a developing relationship. It's just like, oh, he he came in to get his hand looked at, and I want him from then on out. Well, that's what I was um, saying. Your me cute is not that funny. It's yeah. not that good because it's supposed yeah. to be played as funny with the way that she interacts with the doctor, but. Nope. Yeah. I also had an issue with him being a social pariah to begin with, because 
it was an accident. And yeah, like, but you know I, how I, the public is. The public, half of the public doesn't believe the news media. <laughs> so it kind of made sense that half the town thinks he killed that kid. But I mean, if it was like some high profile mystery case where we don't know all the details, I mean, it, it, I guess because we're viewing it ourselves in yeah. real time, it's it's cut and dry. But to me, it's like there's no question about it. Like, it's not like there's something missing that we didn't see that gets revealed at the end. Just be like, oh, he actually is evil. It's like, no, he was 100 percent. It was 100 percent. And I, I understand why the parents are distraught forever. Like, sure. yes, I, they're believable. But, like, the town... And, like, who are these band nerds that are, like, teasing... Like, <laughs> what? Like, why they would you feel threatened band. by high school band kids? They like, made I, the I band even... the bullies. I got a feeling that one of the writers didn't like the band because, obviously, it's usually jocks that are bullies. As soon as they said they were in the band, I almost flipped out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Somehow the band found somebody to bully. That's amazing. Yeah, I did I didn't know, like, the the captain of the band walked around in a letterman jacket. I, I guess they... Well, you can letter in, band, in marching band. I, yeah, my high school had that, too. But oh, okay. it, I, it's, it's not exactly something to be proud of. It's not like a... I, 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 like, I don't remember... The, the couple of people I know that got letter jackets for in high school for band didn't wear them to school. It wasn't like yeah. a baseball or basketball player where they're, like, proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> I also agree with you. Like, what... What is his reason for not leaving the town? He could easily move yep. where no one knows who he is. No one knows his history. It's not like he has that much roots to the city because he's basically, like, not doing it. Like, you know, he has a job, I guess, at that junkyard. But there's nothing keeping him in the town. Um, although, you know, the minute he's ready to leave, Allison's ready to leave within of 10 hours. You know, <laughs> we get the big speech of, I can't leave Hattonfield. This is where my roots are. Cut to 24 hours later. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Like, one, all it needed was uh, one more person to bully Corey, and it convinced her. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else can I say? I, I I don't understand. Like, are they Batman and Robin, Michael and Corey? Because like you see Michael kind of hanging out when Corey's like at the house, where Michael's just off and like, I, what's going on there? I'm not making. It also really bothers much me. Explanation of that. It also bothered me that Corey was able to take Michael down so easily. Like, I understand that Michael's weak, but at this point, he's already killed a few people. Well, I think he's killed two people up to this point, the cop and then the uh, the doctor's secretary that he was screwing. So at this yeah. point, he's killed two people. He's obviously healthy enough to walk out of the sewer pipe and out into the town. So I don't and, and he lifted that girl up. He killed her. He did the bob kill to her with his left hand. So the motherfucker is strong. How did he suddenly lose all his ability when Corey, this skinny little dumb white kid, somehow is able to overtake Michael in what? It took like five seconds. And that's the dude bullshit. who got beat up by band geeks. Is exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah, there, there's so many plot holes in this movie. It's ridiculous. It just doesn't make any sense. And yeah, yeah the whole uh, Michael and Corey working together. What the fuck? That instantly, yeah, I, that decision right there drops Michael Myers in my upper echelon of horror baddies. It's just the fact that he's working with this guy because he recognizes the evil in him. What the fuck? Fuck you. Michael should have decapitated that kid the instant he walked into his sewer. But instead, I just, no, no, I can't accept it. I just can't accept it. I know it's something new and different. Fine. 
but I just can't accept it for this franchise. It doesn't make sense. Michael is the embodiment of evil. He has black eyes, for fuck's sake. How how is he suddenly you know have a protege? It doesn't correction fuck. correction. He has the blackest eyes. The blackest eyes. The devil's <laughs> eyes. The devil's eyes. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Even you know what? Sadly, I even miss Turk, Turkish Loomis in this one. Like I'm like I'm like there's no Doctor Loomis character in this movie. Like that that right there. That also that that's part of the reason why kills and ends don't really feel like Halloween movies to me. Where where is the uh, human you know protagonist that knows about him and blah 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 like i I know a lot of people railed against turkish loomis i'm not necessarily saying that i liked turkish loomis but it made sense that he was in the movie and i for the most part i enjoyed the scenes he was in and obviously really enjoyed the last scene he was in but Mm. I, i don't know it just doesn't feel like a halloween movie if there's not a psychiatrist or somebody chasing michael it's just really odd yeah and i i I don't I don't understand the time jump. I mean, it doesn't feel necessary or just like so Michael's hanging out in the sewer for four years and he's never been spotted. Like I understand he's probably coming out at night to do whatever, but even going out at night, he's in a he's like an imposing force of a Valid. yeah. Uh, I would say a person, but I guess an opposing force of the embodiment of evil. You would think there'd be some tips being sent into the sheriff's office to uh, say, hey, he's been spotted. Speaking of the sheriff, or I guess that's who he is, what, he shows up in the last five minutes. I yep. Talk about the most useless character in the entire trilogy. Like, I I, I don't know what... I, I, feel, I, I for forgot whatever about worth, him until he showed up. <laughs> no, you're, that's true. That's absolutely true. But for whatever it's worth, I did like the line. I did like the fact that he was on board with what Frank and Lori wanted to do even though it goes against all police regulations, I, you know, for, for whatever it's worth, it made him mildly likable to me because he could have easily been the asshole who's like, no, 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 you take that body to the morgue, you know, but he, he yeah. you know, he was definitely a Haddonfield resident because he was already like, nope, not tonight. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Michael took much more of a savage beating at the end of Halloween kills than he did against Lori. So that was kind of, I mean, you. Re- I guess you really have to be sold on the fact that oh, he's old and weakened. But what? Well, she did what stab him. Uh, ultimately, though, Lori did stab him in three uh, very um, pressure points. She stabs him under the armpit, and there's a there's a vein under there that if you cut, you're dead in a minute. She stabs him in the heart, and then she slits his throat. Oh, and then she slits his wrist too. So well, no, I, she well doesn't she pin both arms down though? Yeah, she pins both his hands down. He's able to rip one of them out. But she stabs him in the heart. She stabs him in the underarm, and then she sta- and then she slits his throat, and then she slits his wrist. So I- I'll give him a little bit of credit that he lost a lot of fucking blood. Even though yes, he's an inhuman killing machine, he lost a lot of goddamn blood in that scene. So it does, for whatever it's worth, make physical sense. Maybe not in the world of Halloween and Haddonfield, but at least physically, physiology, uh, physiologically, I should say, it makes sense. But, you know, again, yeah. you got to throw physiology kind of out the window when you're talking about Michael. Well, no, because if you look at what what they did in at the end of at the end of kills, they just bashed him in the head with baseball bats or frying pans or yeah. a toaster or something like they never drew blood. They just whacked him a bunch of times. This is one I, I, I give this one more credit because Lori's legitimately one pinning him down with, you know, actual sharp objects and two drawing blood with it. 
I, I think that's the major difference here. I mean, I know that the you know kills has that supernatural tinge to it, but I think what going here, going for a more realistic way of dispatching him by you know drawing blood the way that she does, doing the wounds uh, in the point in the specific points that she does, I think there's a more valid case that this one legitimately finished the job, whereas kill kills may have just you know knocked them loopy for a few minutes. It just got him angry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, my, uh, I think what my issue is uh, is it's not so much what she did to him. It's that I have to put aside what's been done to him previously to say that Michael going up against a woman in her seventies would even get to the point of being able to do that after getting tossed around the kitchen. Like, for me to even buy into the fact that one on one, she's even getting to the point that she could do all that stuff to him it's like okay like i don't know like maybe she could have been fighting him and there was like something else to their fight other than her just doing it one-on-one but i guess they just wanted to showcase you know laurie and michael one last time they spent so much time with Corey. some charity there yeah i mean they spent so much time with Corey that i feel like the final confrontation with laurie and michael suffers you know i i totally agree that's why i was saying the by the time that happens the winds are out of my sail. Like, I just figured, oh, like, that's okay, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're going to have to rush something in this last 10, 15 minutes because it's been completely off Corey. And I, I I understand, like, the theme that they're going for with the movie that, like, oh, you know, it's not really just Michael that's, you know, plaguing the town. It's, like, just the fear of evil and anything could be evil, really. It's not... But then it's like, but then you kind of betray that anyway, because then Michael ends up coming back and they have to have the showdown anyway. So it's like, no, actually, it's like, yes, there can be what we call evil in the world. But this Michael Myers guy is like a step above that, I would say. He's not just like your, you know, uh, garden variety criminal here. He I think they've made a point up to this up to this point that, no, there is something a little more evil to this guy. And then this movie tries to say oh yeah but it's you know if michael's gone we just need like something else is going to come along to make us afraid but i'm like but that's because someone's out there murdering people like it's not unfounded fear at this point if it's not like it's not like other other than i guess Corey being looked at as a pariah for the opening scene murder Mm -hmm. yes that's unfounded but once he actually starts killing people, being afraid of him and in fear of a murderer, a serial killer walking around is not unfounded anymore. Like there is justification to be afraid of a guy that's walking around murdering people in your small town. And the other reason that like, I think it, it rings a little hollow is because if you look at the trilogy as a whole, going into 2018, the town was over it. It was just Lori that was obsessed. Like the town wasn't, scared of michael myers anymore he was locked up for life he was never getting out no one had really had any fear it was just her obsession with it and then you know with halloween kills yeah then the town got afraid because he was escaped and actually out there murdering people so i i get like the theme they're trying to push with this but i'm like but sometimes the fear isn't irrational when there's literally someone in your small town murdering people that's when it kind of becomes a rational fear and mm-hmm. to me, the town, the town, they weren't really putting it on anyone else. I mean, yeah, they were being, I guess, harsh to Corey before he started murdering. But I don't, I don't know. Understand. Like I said, it just felt kind of sloppy. Yeah, I don't understand the town's ire towards Lori, though. 
Like uh, the woman who survived 2018 when her daughter was giving her shit in the uh, parking lot of that supermarket. I'm like, wait a minute. You're accusing her of enticing Michael to come back and start killing. Like that didn't fucking make any sense to me. Like that, that whole yeah. exchange made zero sense. Like, I, okay. I understand why everybody hates Corey. Fine. Everybody's stupid and they don't believe the story that it was an accident. Okay. I mean, he never even went to trial. He was never even, he may have been arrested. I don't think they actually mention it, but he never went to trial. I mean, he was never accused of murder. Well, didn't they say that the charges were dropped because they couldn't find any evidence? Something along those lines, yeah. But ultimately, I, I don't even think he served any time. I mean, he didn't go to trial, like I said. They may have held him for a night or two, but that's about it. That's the most they could have done. Any any police officer worth half a shit would have been able to check out that crime scene and know that it wasn't a murder. Corey did not yeah. murder that kid. It was absolutely an accident. But for this town... But the point is, is that people suck. And I understand that people suck. So the the animosity that the town had towards Corey made 100% sense to me. But the animosity they had towards Lori made zero sense to me. That didn't fucking make any sense at all. They're literally blaming her for Michael. How is that a thing? That doesn't even make any sense to me. Yeah, and I, and I don't understand the whole enticing him to come back because we've we've been told this whole trilogy that actually they don't have any connection. Exactly. Right? Because yep. <laughs> so it's like, what, like, what do they know that we don't know that would make them say you're enticing? He wasn't, Hell, there's... when he, when he escaped the asylum in this trilogy, he wasn't even escaping to come after her. He oh. just escaped and he was kind of randomly walking. So why he would was... anyone tie yeah. it to her in the first place? Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it, yeah. I, I don't know. It really, really like I said, that, that part. It's like I said in, on the Kills episode, the only reason this entire franchise makes sense for it to have as many sequels as it does is for Michael and Lori to be brother and sister. It's the only way it makes sense. I know, and I hate that. I, I, I've always hated that angle. I, you know, they introduced that in the, uh, in the TV cut of Halloween 2, and I just always fucking hated it. Because then they kind of ran with it for years after that. And it's like, oh, what? why? That doesn't but that's sense. the only reason that makes sense. Michael is around to finish off his bloodline. Well, ultimately, though, Michael, just like Mike said, Michael isn't going after Lori. At no point is Michael. But I'm saying like that's the, that, but I'm saying like the original sequels. I mean, I know that they're not canon. Oh, OK. But I'm saying like the original, the original sequels. That's the only reason why you could keep making sequels like that was Michael finishing his bloodline. I guess that's fine. I mean, I, I can agree with that, I guess, because, I mean, I didn't really. Enjoy yeah, it. I think what Don, I think what Don's saying is if there would have been some type of connection, like a deeper connection between the two in this movie, then it would have made sense for that lady to be like, oh, you enticed him to come back. But because yeah. we oh, didn't have it, it, didn't, it didn't even have to be brother and sister, but we didn't get any other other than on Lori's end of being obsessed with him. But that doesn't telepathically make him want to come you know that there's exactly. no supernatural or connective tissue between them in this trilogy so it kind of doesn't make sense for anyone to even say that in the first place right right exactly. no, absolutely. i'm okay with that yeah that's true uh, as far as the town and how they look at lori yeah i mean they're not brother and sister here if anything lori is the only survivor of the attack in 78 so why don't people look at her more as you know, a, a survivor, almost like a heroic person, not a fucking, you know, someone that they can blame for all this. It doesn't make any sense. On top of the fact that we actually all saw Halloween 2018 and we all know that Lori had nothing to do with Michael escaping. But 
this town who didn't see this instantly wants to make the assumption that she had something to do with it. It's like, that just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And I know it's only one person in the whole movie and it is the daughter of another uh, Michael Myers survivor. So I can understand how pissy she is, but I just, I can't agree with that accusation that, that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though it was one person in one line of dialogue, it's still there for or the purpose of exposition exactly. to make a greater yep. statement, which is dumb. I mean, not no, doing that is dumb, but what they're saying is kind of dumb. No, not doing it is dumb, too. No, no. Let's, let's not give these people too much credit now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody, I mean, I know I knew Danny McBride was a pothead, but I honestly didn't think he would, like, get high and then write a Halloween movie. Because that's what this fucking feels like. This movie is so disjointed, it literally feels like McBride and Green were just smoking a big old joint. And then they're like, oh, let's have this kid be like a uh, a protege of Michael Myers. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. It, it just, uh And these guys call themselves fans. To watch Halloween 2018, yes, they, they felt like fans. They felt like they were longtime fans of the franchise and that they created a love letter to the fans with 2018. But then with kills and ends, I don't know if maybe it was rushed, maybe because of the success of 2018 and the critical acclaim, that they kind of rushed out kills and ends because that's what it feels like. On top of the fact, I was actually going to make the point while Mike was doing his general thoughts that this movie feels a lot like the Cloverfield paradox to me. You guys remember the Cloverfield paradox, right? The third Cloverfield movie. It was a movie that was not supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. Like it was a, it was a spec script that was written out and then uh, they bought it. Somebody bought it and said, oh, we're going to make it a Cloverfield movie. That's what this movie feels like to me. It feels like somebody had the Corey Cunningham story all written out and ready to go. And then McBride and Green read the spec script and go, you know, we could add Michael Myers to this and make it a Halloween movie. That's what this <laughs> fucking feels like. This does not feel like a Halloween movie. So and, and you know, I'm one of the people who always says that I like when they try new things, when filmmakers try new things. But when it's the 13th film in the franchise, we don't need new things. We want what we want. And I don't know. I feel like McBride and Green just kind of failed us all with these last two movies. Yeah, I mean, with some better writing and character development, that whole Corey story could make for a compelling story in a different movie. But it's like it feels like it's thrown into the middle of a movie that's still trying to be a Halloween movie, and it just disjoints it and makes it sloppy. And that's yep. like my big issue with it. It's it's not that they were swinging for the fences to try to do something different necessarily. Although I would say, you know, in the third movie of a trilogy, it seems like an odd time to now let's introduce all these weird, crazy, different ideas like you should have planted those earlier in the trilogy because then it sets it up to where now you're getting the climax of everything instead of saying, no, now that we've set up something, now we're going to take the huge left turn. It seems like a weird decision. Well, do you think some of that could be because 18 and kills are much like the original, like they take place continuously? Like they're supposedly, like it plays out as, it plays out like they're the same night. Whereas this one, they're, you know, yeah, it's not really that connected, you know, in three, in the original three, that one was more, you know, a standalone film. This one is kind of, you know, a time jump where this one takes place several years later. Mm-hmm. Is, do you think that would have something to do with it? Or 
Or like another theory would be, and I'm just thinking of this one right now off the top of my head. This one was never really the script was never intended to be a Halloween film. That it was supposed to have been some other kind of teen drama, and then thrown it, and you know they threw Halloween elements into it just to you know give them the story. That's what I feel like. I feel like Danny McBride wrote this script years ago, like a decade ago. It had nothing to do with Michael Myers. It had nothing to do with Laurie Strode or Haddonfield, and. After the success of 2018, they were probably scrambling like, oh, shit, okay, we got to write two more movies. And I feel like one of the writers probably already had this Corey Cunningham movie like all ready to go. And they're they're just like, fuck it. Let's add Michael to it. Boom, we're done. That's what it feels like as you're watching it. it the original idea would have been that this kid is lives in the small town with this famous serial killer, yeah. confronts the killer, and then becomes his protege. And then, oh, okay, well, let's just make sure that the kill uh, the the killer that he takes inspiration from is Michael. There's like the yeah. connections that we make. Like this would have been this would have been a better uh, Leslie Vernon movie. You remember Behind the Mask, Leslie Vernon? Like if if Leslie Vernon, you know, is the kid, is Corey, and he's been inspired by all these real life serial killers. And then we're fine. You know what? I feel like uh, Behind the Mask is a better Halloween ends than Halloween ends, actually. <laughs> well, it, it, well, it also makes sense because everything about the Corey story or the arc of Corey, it doesn't even require Michael Myers being oh. in the movie because Michael Myers is already somewhat of a, you know, a serial killer legend in Hattonfield. So he could have done everything Corey did. He could have done just by the fact that there's a local legend of yeah. Michael Myers that went around. There was no even pur- purpose that they could have pulled a scream, end up in the sewer to meet him. They could have pulled a Scream 5 and just have it, have him hallucinate that it's Michael Myers. <laughs> or, the, I mean, they could have had him just fucking find the mask somehow. Like, Michael's long dead and gone, but somehow the mask ends up in the sewer or something. Like, that could have been the yeah, same. Yeah, that was my... That was my other theory, is that maybe originally it was a Halloween movie without Michael Myers completely, <gasps> and they were going to do, like, the the Roy, Roy Ambulance Driver thing, but test audiences were like, uh, where the hell is Michael Myers? So they're like, uh-oh, we better go and rewrite Michael Myers actually into it, because I just feel like whether you like or dislike the Corey thing, because there are people out there that I've heard talk about that sure. they do like, and that's fine. But but to me, I'm just like, but nothing Corey did required Michael Myers to actually be in the movie. And it just feels like they meet up in the sewer just because, okay, we have to find a way to actually have Michael Myers a part of this story that we're doing. But it's not required. Like, there there's nothing there's nothing for Corey to get to point A to point B in this movie. And in, in le- the only justification is that when they meet, and see eye to eye that some type of thing supernaturally happens between them. But I'm not convinced that's, you know, it's up in the air, whether that actually took place or if it was just suggested or what. So without that little, what, 10 second thing, was Michael Myers even required in any of the movie up to that or up, up until the last 15 minutes when we actually get the showdown, there was no reason for Michael Myers to even be in the movie period. So then I do think that there's a possibility that like maybe the original script was doing the whole thing of, well, he's the actual Michael Myers is dead and gone, but because um, irrational fear and, you know, if you let it, if you let it put you in your own prison, then it doesn't matter if it's actually Michael Myers or not. It could be anyone or anything because you're just locked down and paralyzed by fear of everything at that point. So, Potentially, yeah. I mean, as I'm watching this movie, 
especially at the second time, it just feels like it didn't start as a Halloween movie. Like it didn't even, it, it wasn't even like uh, it was going to be all Corey and no Michael at all. It literally feels like this movie was written 10, 15, 20 years ago. And then they just pulled it out of the closet and said, let's use this and throw Michael in a few scenes. And then at the end, and we call it the end of the Halloween franchise. That's just, like I said, I'm not necessarily accusing them of that. I'm just saying that's what it felt like watching this movie. This did not feel like a Halloween movie at almost any point of the film. So I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong, Mike. I'm just, I'm just, you know, kind of spouting how oh, I, yeah. I mean, watching it the second time. Yeah. Just, ugh. We're all we're all theorizing because unfortunately yeah. we don't have any of the script writers on the show today. So Oh, and I wouldn't invite them anyway. <laughs> Danny oh, McBride could call me personally, I'd tell him the fuck off. I and I like Danny McBride too, don't get me wrong. I think he's funny as shit. I've watched a lot of his stuff over the years, Eastbound and Down and you know, a lot of his T V and movie appearances. I think he's amazing and this is the end. But man, and, and like I said, after Halloween twenty eighteen I was I was all I was all in for Danny McBride and you know the, the horror genre and everything, but goddamn these last two movies just failed us completely. And it's yeah. oh I'm really not looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with The Exorcist. Oh, I oh, I don't even want to see it. Uh, the, <laughs> is it is it confirmed that they got the rights yep. to it or yeah, yeah. yeah four hundred oh, million. Okay. Four hundred yeah. million to do a trilogy, I think. I mean, when you remake a fucking absolute masterpiece, it just doesn't fucking make sense to me. And I understand a lot of people had issues with the original Exorcist. They could potentially make it more, quote unquote, traditionally scary, blah, blah, blah. But no, 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 no. I oh, trust me. I know. I know. I know you don't think that at all. (laughs) But well, not to mention that not to mention that we 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 get five to ten exorcist movies every year already as it is like there's one coming out i think at the end of this month (laughs) that doesn't look any yeah i mean it looks okay but it looks like your standard freaking possession exorcist it's not like we're starved for exorcism movies right you know so it's just like why i don't i mean i guess if they i guess in their minds they're like yeah but if we come out with a movie called the exorcist it'll carry that extra weight and i'm like really yeah, it'll, it'll carry extra weight with people under 20. The people that were yeah. around when the original Exorcist came out are not excited about this remake. I can very much assure you. I've spoken yeah, I to mean, multiple I thought, people. I thought, it's nine years thought, before my, it's 11 years before my time and I'm not looking forward to it. I, yeah, I think we got, we super lucked out with, or at least I did with enjoying the first season of the show. I mean, that was about oh, the show as much was, yeah, as I the first season of the for. show is great. Oh yeah. That's, that's yeah. True. So yeah. I feel like we already kind of got the modern continuation. So it's like a remake. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't understand why we need to do it. It's like, there's nothing they can do in cinema that could shock people the way that the exorcist did in 74. That's kind of why I, that's what, that's kind of why I, I always get on people's cases when they say they like the Fred, uh, the Texas chainsaw remake more. Um, which is fine. Again, it's your opinion, whatever. But the 74 movie made such a splash. It, it literally changed the scope of horror, whereas the remake came and went. Like, yes, it's glossier. It looks prettier. The kills, there's actual on-screen kills, you know, as opposed to the original that had very little on-screen depth. But to me, that doesn't make it any better. It just makes it more polished. It looks modern. Um, and again, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Because I do like the remake. Don't get me wrong. I like the Texas Chainsaw remake. I don't love it, but I like it. 
But when people and famously Darcy on Joe Bob said that she likes the remake better. And oh, I do, too. And yeah. And again, uh, you know, opinions are all opinions are valid. That's fine. But Texas Chainsaw is a dirty, gross, disgusting movie. You're supposed to feel slimy watching it. And I just don't feel like that watching the remake. The remake is so polished with Jessica Biel, fucking gorgeous ass Jessica Biel as the main star. I, I don't know. I just didn't feel the grindhouse effect of the original, which is to me what Texas Chainsaw is, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of the franchise as a whole because they've never been able to create uh, recreate that feel of the original, that dirty, cheap film feel of it. Ah. Oh, God. I don't know. What yeah, else? and I, I, uh, not to, you know, extend our conversation about the... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go off on too many but, tangents. we got enough to talk about today. Uh, yeah, I would just be worried about, like, they're going to cut story for just stupid like oh we'll just add in more exorcism stuff and take out story but i think part of the story and the characters are what make the original one so yeah good. the performances i mean jesus we've got two amazing well no two we've got like four or five amazing performances that not to say that they can't reproduce that in a modern setting not at all they, they might well, be it's part of the reason why everything that's coming its wake can't touch it at least to me yep um be, because of the characters and exactly. The the story and the themes that are going on outside of the actual exorcism itself, where most movies that have come afterwards are like, well, let's just focus on this glossy looking scary exorcism and mm-hmm. yeah, the rest of the movie will take care of itself. And it's like, no, that's why I don't revisit all those other ones. And the exorcist is one that I revisit often. Oh, geez, that's like a twice a year watch for me. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I own like six different versions of it. I'm still waiting for a 4K, God damn it. But yeah, <laughs> they need to get on that. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I mean, where else can we go with this? It, obviously, we all had our issues with it in varying degrees. Doesn't seem like any of us really enjoyed this film. Like I said, I enjoyed the last 15 minutes only because it felt earned. That's about the only reason. I'm not saying that it's cinematically beautiful or that, you know, it's the only obvious ending for the franchise. No, not at all. But it just... Like I said, considering what this town has gone through for 40 years, 40 plus years, and this main character, it felt deserved, it felt earned, and I was okay with it. I'm not going to say it's the most exciting ending possible, because I'm sure more people were looking forward to a big knockdown drag out between Lori, which, you know, we kind of didn't get. Yeah, they had a fight, you know, in the kitchen, you know, a little bit of struggle back and forth, a hit here, a hand almost in the garbage disposal, stuff like that, but it definitely... I mean, even the original fight felt more fleshed out to me because it took place all over, uh, what was it, Lindsay's house or whoever's house Lori was at in the original. You know, that fight took place all over. It it went across the street to Annie's house. I mean, you know, that felt more epic to me, whereas this, it was just a quick five, not even five minute. I want to say two minute. It was like a two minute fight in a kitchen, in a very isolated area where you would think the stronger fighter would win instantly. But, you know, again, Lori's no slouch. She's been preparing for this for 40 years. And, uh, well, see, at least at least in 2018, she had, like, the whole house rigged, yeah. which kind of helped aid her in her fighting Michael Myers. In this one, it was, like, hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat. <laughs> She's getting tossed around the kitchen, and I'm like... I mean, did he not break her hip just by throwing her over the counter against the wall? Like, and I understand. Like, like I said, I am willing to give it charity 
in yeah. the fact that like we we wanted our showdown. Okay, they're gonna give us a showdown. I'll give it. I'll give that a pass. You can't. Sometimes you can't get too picky about yeah. if if they give you if they're giving you what you ultimately wanted. Okay, fine. I wish we got more of that, but uh, you know it is yeah. it is what it is. At that and then point. you know sometimes the filmmakers run the risk of maybe making it too much. Like you know, like I wanted I wanted to see the back and forth the battle go on a little bit longer, but at the same time I didn't need like a fifteen minute fight between these two spanning over multiple houses and backyards and a cemetery or whatever else. You know what I mean? Like I was okay with the isolated setting for the final battle. It just was a little lackluster. And you're right. I mean, yeah, Laurie is 70, but so is Michael, for whatever it's worth. I mean, Michael's technically older, so he's in his late 70s. Laurie's in her early. Well, yeah. Laurie, Laurie's what, 69 in this movie? No, she would have been 20. She would have been. She, she was a senior in high school? She was so 17 in 78. 17, 18, and 78. Age her up 40 years. That puts her 68. So 58, yeah. She would have. She's in her early 60s. Mid, yeah, early to mid 60s, I'd say. Because it's been 42 years since 78. Yeah. Um, well, in, in the span of this movie, it's been 42 years since 78. Uh, yes. Well, actually, no, maybe longer. That's right, because four years. He was gone for four years. That's what uh, I'm saying. So she's 17, 18 in the original. She, well, you, you're 40 years, so that puts her at 57, 58. Four more years from that, she's 62, 63. There you go. Yeah, I'll go with that. Nice. Whereas Michael, obviously, you know, in 78 was already, what, 20 or 21, I think, something like that. Because he had already been in, institutionalized for, what, like 15 years, I think. He was, six, he, was six when he, he was six when he was committed, and then he spent 15 years in the asylum. So he was, so he was 21. Okay, so he was 21 in 78. That makes sense. And now he's, whatever, late 60s, yeah, I, I mean, guess. I, I always assumed to add, like, about five years on top of yeah yeah since the timeline is always so wacky then you can add yeah because technically it wouldn't be 42 years because of the uh the four-year layoff between kills and ends but you know again Mm -hmm. i barely think about that oh Um, man i mean let's go over some of the stuff that we did like about the movie since we kind of spent the last 45 minutes bitching um and i know it won't be much but there are some things i did like um I I did like the opening with Corey because Ugh. at that point you didn't know where anything was going to go. I, I just was like puzzled by like once it happened, like the scene itself isolated out. I was like, okay, this is interesting, but what are they doing? And like once I figured out what they're doing with it, then I was like, what did you, did you guys think though that like when that scene was first happening that they were just setting up Michael to like show up to the house? To yeah. Play? Yeah. That was that, my intention was that. Too. Yeah, that was the whole gag, was that they're playing hide-and-seek, Michael shows up and kills the babysitter, and then that's what starts the rampage. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's that's Halloween 101. I mean, that's what a lot yeah. of us expected. And I, like I said, I don't need to get exactly what I expect from a movie or what I want from a movie, but it just – these are Halloween fans. These guys are hardcore Halloween fans. How did they think – that ho- that hardcore Halloween fans would like a uh, a second movie in the trilogy that barely has Laurie in it, and then b a third movie in a trilogy that barely has our fucking antagonist in it. Like I, I this is why you know you may think I'm kidding about the the writing this script while stone joke, but I'm being dead serious. 
It's the only way I can make sense of these last two movies is that McBride was just stoned out of his ass. Cause it, you know, these are not the, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like these are the movies that a Halloween fan would make. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, know, I agree. 20, 2018 I, solidly felt like an homage from fans to the fans. And then the last two just, it just goes right back to filmmakers wanting to make a franchise their own, you know, and I fucking hate that shit. If a franchise, yeah. <laughs> you've got 40, 40 plus years of lore to work with. You don't need to make it your own. Just, Give us a goddamn Halloween movie and we're all happy. This isn't The Godfather for fuck's sake, you know? We're not looking for some kind of cerebral, amazing, mind-blowing storyline for fuck's sake. Throw a bunch of good-looking white people in the movie. Let Michael rampage through all of them. Uh, Final confrontation between Michael and Lori at the end and off we go. By the way, was anybody else disappointed Lori survived? I honestly... I was kind of suspecting that maybe in his death throes, Michael would have just hooked her. Hooked yeah. her. I mean, it would have been poetic where if she if she throws him in the you know hand that didn't like spring free uh-huh. like after her, like her shoe or her cleat and just like drags her in and they can't get to her in time. Yeah, I was fully expecting, especially towards the end of the fight when Michael has Lori by the throat and Lori says, "Go ahead, do it," and then we get the big montage of, you know, basically Lori's life flashing before her eyes. I was expecting to hear a snap that Michael was going to break Lori's neck, but then at that exact moment, Allison was going to show up and, like, decapitate him or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about Lori surviving this. I love Lori and I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I absolutely do. Part of the reason why I ended up walking away from the Matrix trilogy as high on it as it was, was because Neo died at the end. Sometimes a hero has to die to prove a point. It can't just be status quo at the end of the movie or the end of the trilogy or the end of the franchise. And that's kind of how I feel here. It's like at the end of this movie, like it's almost right back to where everybody started, where everybody's just trying to move on, you know, and trying to lead normal lives again. Like there's barely an arc in this film other than Michael finally getting dispatched. And yeah. That's really I, disappointing. I also thought like after the opening scene and then we cut to like Corey riding his bike and then getting bullied. Um, I was like, okay, are they, are they trying to set up the whole like social pariah redeems himself by helping kill Michael Myers and maybe he dies with Michael Myers at the end? But then even at that, I was like, but why are we even introducing this significant of a new character? The only way that that, that we shouldn't care about. <laughs> the only way that would work is if it is if we ignore the cold open and we start with Laurie's narration, like we get the opening credits. It starts, you know, with the company logos and, you know, all the production companies. And then we, bam, and then we shoot straight into, you know, Lori doing her typewriter thing. And we get the backstory as one of the explana- as one of the conversations that he and Allison have. That, I, yeah, it would, it would make the duration of the film a lot better, too. Just skip that cold open altogether. I mean, it's a long-ass movie. I'm not necessarily going to complain about a two hour Halloween movie because generally I would love that. But yeah, this one definitely about three quarters of the way through. I, I found myself checking my the time on my phone at the theater, something I never fucking do. Even when a movie's bad, I'm not checking my phone because it's disrespectful. I, I hate when people do that in the theater. But for this, I did. 
Like literally before before the final, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie started, I'm looking at my phone like, what the fuck? Like this is taking forever. And we're spending all this time with a character that I don't give a rat's ass about. Like this was the Mortal Kombat movie all over again for me personally. You know, the, the last Mortal Kombat movie where they introduced that new character that's never been in a Mortal Kombat game. And he was the worst part of the whole fucking movie. And he took up the most screen time. Like, this, this is what I mean about directors and screenwriters wanting to make a movie, quote unquote, their own. They can't just accept the lore as it is. They got to try to fuck around with it. They got to try to fuck around with the story. And then if it's a success, they can say, oh, look what I did. See, I did something original that everybody liked. Cool. But the problem is, is that nine times out of ten, that shit don't work. And then you just end up alienating the original fans. Like, it just, I don't know. It just didn't really make sense to me. <laughs> I love, I, I still love you, Danny. I do. But I, I got to question your decisions over the last three or so years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Gordon Green, too. That guy. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, they did a good job, I guess, in the scenes where it's supposed to be Halloween, but, like, how hard is that? <laughs> yeah, ultimately, that's not too hard. Yeah. And even though the movie was shot in Georgia uh, in the summer, again, they kind of did a good job of uh, making it look like fall in Illinois, so we'll give them credit for that. Even though uh, there was a couple of faux pas in the movie, not anything that 99.9% .9 of the population would even know. But like the brand of milk in the fridge was a brand of milk that you can't get in Illinois. You can get it in Georgia, but you can't get it in Illinois. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but again, you know, minor stuff that most people aren't going to notice. Just, you know, eagle eyed viewers who are watching the movie for like a second or third time, whatever. Mm. Um, as I've already said, I did like the narration by Lori. Um, I did like all the homages to not just the original Halloween movies, but to a few of John Carpenter's movies. Obviously, we see Corey and his and the kid that he's babysitting watching The Thing, which is obviously very reminiscent of Lori and Lindsay and the little boy. I forgot his name. Tommy. Uh, Tommy, thank you. Watching, um, you know, The Thing from Another World or you know, whatever the name of the original uh, movie was. So I thought that was really cool. Did anybody notice the homage to Christine in this movie. Uh, our main Man. character, unfortunately, is named Corey Cunningham. And in the very first scene that we see him in, the babysitting scene, the cold open, he is dressed exactly like Arnie Cunningham from Christine in the first scene that we meet Arnie in. The blue jeans, the or the jean jacket, the shirt. He's literally dressed exactly like Arnie. So, you know, I, I'm a big Christine fan, so I, I kind of noticed that right away. Um, I mean, what else? Um, I had a few things here. Oh, Nick Castle. Always great to see Nick Castle in a Halloween movie. If you if you missed him in this one, he did not play Michael in any scene, but he did play the flasher at the bar at the Halloween party that uh, Corey uh basically got assaulted by the uh, kid's mother. Uh, that was Nick Castle. And he even says Linda's line from the original movie. See anything you like? <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. I remember but that. yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know that this is going to elevate the movie for anybody, all these little facts, but the, you know, cool little things here and there that I saw. Did you guys notice the fonts? Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize until this movie that they were emulating the fonts from the original three Halloween movies. 
Yes, I, I, somebody found, somebody pointed that out. Yeah, that was one of the things that a friend of mine had pointed out. I, I, I tried to skip a lot of the stuff, but that, that was one of the things was that um, each of the fonts from the three rep, um, mimic the fonts used in the title cards on the, the original trilogy. Yeah, so Halloween 2018, the font matches the original Halloween 78. Halloween Kills matches Halloween 2. And it was obvious this time because Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, is the Halloween film I've seen the most. Yes, I've seen it more than the original even. I just really love that movie. It's an annual Halloween watch for me, whereas Halloween 78 is not. That's a story for another podcast. But as soon as the blue font came up and the blue square font, I'm like, holy shit, (laughs) where's Tom Atkins? And I I met Tom Atkins for like the third time this weekend, too, at Monsterpalooza, so kind of interesting i didn't even think to ask him if he saw halloween ends yet totally you know you get starstruck sometimes and you forget what you want to ask these people (laughs) but um i also got to say um oh they did they redid the bob kill of course as i mentioned earlier uh they did the empty house montage at the end of this movie just like they did at the end of 78 you know where they go room to room but they're all empty it's like after all the action has occurred and I think for the most part, oh, and there was a couple of lines in the movie, too, that I kind of really liked, like Lori's, uh, the, the last line of Lori's book, where she says, evil doesn't die, it just changes shape. I kind of like that. I mean, yes, we, we know that Michael is called the shape in the credits, but um, even despite that, I did think uh, it was pretty cool. And then the use of Don't Fear the Reaper. We actually hear Don't Fear the Reaper twice in this movie, once we hear the Muzak version in the supermarket when Laurie's talking to Frank. And then, of course, we hear the original version during the closing credits. So, you know, of course, that's very poignant to have to, to end a Halloween movie with Don't Fear the Reaper. I mean, that or, or Mr. Sandman are going to be the, the only real choices. But um, I did want to talk a little bit about how poorly this movie was advertised. Now, obviously, I don't watch trailers before I see the movie. You guys, everyone who's listening to my voice knows that. But I went back and watched the trailer after this movie. The fucking trailer makes it look like it's going to be two hours of Michael and Lori fighting. Like, they don't mention Corey at all in the trailer. They don't mention any kind of romance with Allison. It's literally Lori versus Michael. So this movie was incredibly poorly advertised because this movie is an hour and 55 minutes or whatever. And like I said, we are only getting about 25 to 30 minutes of Michael total in this movie. So, yeah, bad advertising. Way worse than it comes at night, in my opinion. I mean, because this is blatant false advertising. They blatantly ignored the majority of this movie in the trailer. And And I think they knew what they were doing because I got a feeling that if they advertise this as a copycat Michael, it doesn't make $41 million opening weekend. That's just my guess. But, yeah. No, it's not making that next week, I'll tell you that. Oh, hell no. If it hits 20 next week, I would be shocked. Honestly, 10 would be probably a good second weekend for this movie. Um, As I go over my notes, yeah, I think that's about the majority. It was cool to see a Derringer in a movie for the first time in years. I haven't seen a Derringer in a movie forever. That's the gun that Lori, uh, you know, faked her suicide. Uh, That's a Derringer. It's It's a 25 caliber gun. For the most part, they're not deadly, but if you put it all the way up on your temple or someone else's temple, it will do the job. But if you shoot, if you shoot someone from distance with a Derringer, they'll, they'll barely feel it. 
I think the Simpsons had a funny joke about Derringers not being very powerful. I forget what episode that was, but yeah. Um, what the fuck took the cops so long to get to Lori's house after the suicide call? This is Haddonfield <laughs> fucking yeah. Illinois on Halloween fucking night. And it took the cops 13 minutes to get to Lori's house after she called in the fake suicide. Um, what? <laughs> Are you yeah, kidding Mike, me? Mike, Michael can walk across town quicker than the cops can drive. Yes, there, I exactly. I mean, like I said, this doesn't make any sense. Even if Michael is long dead and buried, this is still Haddonfield. You still got to worry about copycats. You got to worry about people, you know, making a Michael Myers mask and trying to scare people, blah, blah, blah. It's like you would think in in of all places, Haddonfield, Illinois, every cop would be on duty Halloween night, even if it's 50 fucking years after the last sighting of Michael, you that town is still going to have that stigma. So and the fact that it took not just the, the cops, but it took Frank. 13 minutes to get to Lori's house. This is a guy who supposedly cares about Lori. You're, how big is this town? Like, I've seen maps of Haddonfield, you know, the fake maps of Haddonfield. It doesn't look, I mean, it looks like you could go from one end of the town to the other in like 15 minutes. So it yeah, just... Lori, Lori's vigilante property was bigger than all of Haddonfield. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that thing was huge. Um, oh, my God. I, I will say the DJ kill was fucking awesome. Um, I don't mm -hmm. like the yeah. fact that I don't like the fact that it's Corey. I, it makes sense because the DJ was one of the people bullying Corey. So it makes sense that he kills the DJ. I just don't think a human could do that kind of damage to another human on their face. Like Michael Myers doing that would make sense. Again, freakish strength. But Corey hit this DJ's head up against his um, EQ, his board, like four or five times. And his fucking jaw is hanging off his head. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to call it, it. It's kind of the same BS that I call on Dewey's death in Scream 2022. The fact that you're going to try to convince me that a 19 year old girl was able to not only kill Dewey, but lift him off the fucking ground with a knife. You know, this is this is the kind of suspension of disbelief that always irks me, you know, so um, as cool as the DJ kill was. Obviously, especially, I think we all especially in, it's it's more egregious in Scream because that's supposed to be grounded in reality with no supernatural Thank aspects, you. right? Yes. Michael Myers, they've always walked the fine line. He's not he's not like a Freddy or a Jason necessary, but it always seems like there's a little something more to him than just a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And then fucking <laughs> when Corey finally tries to go and take Lori out and obviously Lori is expecting him and kind of surprises him. The fact that Michael kills him so unceremoniously makes me feel like we wasted the previous hour and a half. It's like we spent an hour and a half of this fucking movie setting up Corey as this potentially new Haddonfield boogeyman just for him to become another victim of Michael anyway. So it literally makes me feel like I wasted an hour and a half of my fucking life. Like we literally could have just watched the last 20 minutes of this movie and been incredibly happy. In fact, as I was walking out of this theater, I thought to myself, Halloween ends as a whole didn't need to happen. You could have taken the last 20 minutes of this movie, tacked it on the Halloween kills and ended the franchise there. And it would have been fine. Granted, it would have made Halloween kills like three hours long, but 
at least I wouldn't have to sit through another two hours, you know, in 2022 for what, 20 good minutes of movie, maybe out of out of an hour and 55, we get like 20 to 30 minutes of actual good movie. And Mm -hmm. that just seems unacceptable for me for, for a franchise like this. Even though this isn't my franchise, I still revere this franchise as one of the greatest of all time. You know, um, you know, even though I'm not a Michael guy, same thing with Freddy. I'm not a big Freddy fan, but I still recognize the greatness of that franchise and everything that it did. So, yeah, like I said, for these guys to advertise this as the last Halloween movie and then give us a movie that's like, what, 5% Michael and 95% Corey? Nah, I can't accept it. I, I just can't. Yeah. Well, especially since if it kind of undoes the entire purpose of him becoming the new boogeyman, like you said, because... You know, Lori's certainly not going to tell the truth that Corey was the one that did this. He, she's just going to blame Michael and say, "Okay, well, the boogeyman did it. You know, we got him. He, we just chucked him into the grinder. You know, everything's over. Like his entire purpose has just been undone by one fell swoop." Yeah, exactly. That's what I, I just felt like we were just. It felt like the filmmakers just flipping us the bird. Like it, as I'm in the theater right after Michael snaps Corey's neck. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you you made me watch an hour and a half of this idiot's life just for Michael to turn on him anyway and and snap his neck? Ah, just so. And, and and then on top of the fact, Michael snapping his neck is almost a mercy kill. Like, where's the brutality? Where's Michael curb stomping him? Michael curb stomps a girl in this fucking movie, a teenage girl. Which, by the way, I applaud no, that. That was supposed to have been Corey, wasn't it? Because that's the. That's the auto yard. I think that's Corey. Oh, yeah, you're right, y'all. My my fucking bad. That is Corey who curb stomps that girl. Yep, 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 my bad. Wasn't thinking, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, the point still stands. Uh, just this, this is a poor Halloween movie. This is even an even poorer final Halloween movie. And even though there are elements of it that are enjoyable overall, I, I did not enjoy the experience. If anything... Watching Halloween ends made me like Halloween kills a little bit more only because Michael at least is in that whole fucking movie. So all the gripes that I have with Halloween kills, it's like, at least I can say, at least it's Michael. (laughs) It's not some wannabe douchebag wasting an hour and a half of my two hour Halloween movie, you know? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Let me see as I peruse my notes. I think that's everything I have. Oh, Allie, Allison in this movie. Fuck Allison in this movie. After everything that Allison has been through with her mother and with Lori, her grandmother, over the last few years, how fucking dare she question Lori's wisdom? You know, I I understand she's a teenage girl. You know, her panties are probably wet for this psycho. But who the fuck are you to question someone who's lived through 40 years of this to accuse her of being obsessed with death and just, I mean, fuck you. And then well, especially the greatest... after the events, I was going to say, especially after the events of Halloween kills, because at least in 2018, it made a little more sense because sure. Alice herself saying. had never experienced it. But now that she knows, and he's not, he just quote unquote disappeared. So they don't know if he's still out there or what's going on. So why wouldn't you still kind of be worried, you know? Exactly. It's just Allison's motivation in this movie was all dick. All dick and no brain, and that bugs the shit out of me. And then the final injustice, she doesn't even fucking apologize to Lori. 
even at the end of the movie, you know, after Michael and Corey is, are, they're all dead and they're sitting at the coffee table. She doesn't even fucking apologize to Lori and say, you were right. I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. Nope. Well, well, no, she even has even more of an injustice. She deserves the final blow because she breaks Michael's arm to free him. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) That's another thing. A a 20 something year old girl breaking Michael Myers arm. Eh, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't make a big point of it, but it it, it is kind of questionable. Ah, Jesus. But yeah, yeah. Allison in this movie is fucking insufferable. I hate her. I've always been kind of indifferent to Allison in the first two movies. You know, she's kind of there. I almost kind of liked her in Halloween kills, but in this movie, she's just a fucking insufferable, angsty teenager, and she added nothing to the movie for me. Just nothing. And it's really too bad, because Laurie Strode deserves better. Jamie Lee Curtis deserves better, but even Laurie Strode deserves better than that kind of treatment from her fucking, her own flesh and blood. That just bugged the shit out of me. And then after it's all said and done, Allison leaves town, leaving her grandmother alone in Haddonfield. Yes, I understand Michael is dead, but Lori's still going to be dealing with PTSD for the rest of her life. And and Allison just leaves town the first chance she gets. I, I, I don't know. Just Allison in this movie, I fucking hated everything she did. Just about everything she did in this movie, I just couldn't stand. Her not defending herself with her doctor and just being like the quiet, you know, um, employee that gets abused and just takes it. The fact that she treats her grandmother like shit. The fact that she falls in love with a psycho in like 2.3 seconds. Uh, just, yeah, I'm sorry. But Allison, completely insufferable. I wish she wasn't even in this movie. I Literally, I wish the movie would have started and they would have said, oh, Allison went to college or something. So she's not in <laughs> Haddonfield anymore. That would have made me so much happier because... She's yeah, so fucking awful in this movie. She she felt like another character that wasn't even necessary in this one. Absolutely. You well, totally could have done this movie without her. Well, then what would the romance say? Where would well, the... the... The point is, there doesn't need to be a romance. Like, Corey and Lori could have still met. You know, they they still could have been the psycho and the freak together. She could have still, like, invited Corey into her house. Because don't forget, Corey's home life is awful. He's living with a mother who doesn't give a shit about him. And Roland, his his stepdad, who, you know, at least Roland seems to care, but he doesn't, like, actively, you know, other than giving him a job and a motorcycle at one point. Like, you can tell Roland. I did like Roland's line, too, about I hope you find love. I thought that line was fucking great. After, uh, basically, there's this... at this point, I'm sure everybody's seen the fucking movie, but yeah, there's a scene where <laughs> the mom yells God, at. That was so cheesy. Yeah, it really was fucking awful. By the way, uh, parents kissing siblings on the lips—that kind of creeps me the fuck out. I don't know I if never that's understood it. Okay, it's cool. Never been I, I... in my family, I always was like, I've always been grossed out about it, but there's enough other families that do it that i was like all right maybe it's just me that thinks it's weird because my family doesn't do it yeah well i mean i've only known my entire life i've only known one person that kissed his mother on the lips a guy that i went to high school with and he was kind of the running joke like everybody always you know kind of accused him of incest because he would always like he'd put his arms around his mother's uh, like body and like kiss her square on the lips. I'm not saying like a French kiss or anything stupid like that, but just a, a solid peck on the lips. And I'm just like, like once you become an adult, that's just creepy as fuck. And especially because it was the mom initiating it to Corey, 
just like it's like one minute she hates him the next minute she wants to fuck him i i didn't understand that relationship at all but then after all that is said and done like i said roland looks right at Corey and says i hope you find love someday i thought that was such a sweet line i, I thought it was so cool because you can tell even though roland isn't his biological father you can still tear tell that there's love there that roland does care about him but you know he also loves his wife who you know, uh, he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place between Corey and Corey's mother. So I felt bad for Roland, especially the way Roland gets taken out. I mean, there's actually a kill in this movie that has nothing to do with Corey or Michael. Literally, uh, Roland ends up getting shot in the head because the douchebag marching band member tries to shoot Corey. <laughs> And then Roland, for some reason, stands up. I don't know if maybe Roland was standing up to protect Corey, to basically say, don't shoot Corey. Um, but yeah, literally, as soon as he stands up, the douchebag marching band member shoots him right in the goddamn forehead. And then Corey, of course, disappears. So yeah, I felt bad for Roland. He was probably the only character that I really liked in this movie. And he's barely in the movie. It's not like he was some kind of well-fleshed out character. He just, I don't know, he felt like the most organic character in this movie. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Greg Cunningham. We went over that. We went over the evil. Um, oh, Corey standing behind the bush and staring up at Lori. Obviously, an homage to Michael standing in the laundry in the original movie, looking up at Lori's bedroom. I just felt like that was a little too heavy-handed. Did anybody else think that? Like, it, I, it was way too much. I thought. Like there's mm, a, I don't remember that. Um, maybe I, I, was, I remember I, was, now. I didn't even think of it as a homage at the time, but now that you're saying it, I can picture it in my head. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like I said, the only difference is Michael was hiding in laundry. And I'm not talking about the famous scene where Michael looks at Lori and Annie walking down the street and he hides behind the bush. I'm talking about when Michael is kind of hiding in the linen that's hanging outside. Yeah, the hanging linen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then he looks up at Lori. They redid that scene in this movie with Corey standing behind a bush. And I just thought it was way too heavy handed. Like at this point of the movie, we know what Corey's path is going to lead him to. You didn't need to have that shot in there. It just seems so silly. Um, like you could have literally just had the conversation where Lori said, when I looked in his eyes, I saw something that I recognized in Michael, you know, that would have been more than enough, but no, they had to recreate that scene. So yeah, whatever. Um, Which is funny because his eyes look completely normal to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all through the movie, she's what are you like, seeing? I, see, I see evil in his eyes. It's like, I don't know. It looks like they look brown to me. I don't know what evil is. Like, I don't know. Why do you need to look in his eyes? Maybe just his actions tell you that. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> um, Michael's shudder was kind of weird. What did you guys think of that? When Michael first stabs the cop, basically his first stab in four years, do you notice how Michael takes a step back and does like a shudder? And then it almost seems like he's back to full health and then he just starts stabbing the cop over and over again. That was weird. Like, are they implying that Michael is fueled by murder? <laughs> like, what the fuck were they implying with that? I mean, at the end, at the end of Halloween Kills, they kind of, you remember when she had that monologue at the end of Halloween Kills? Yeah, yeah, the evil monologue. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets stronger with every like I, I but I think I'm not sure if she was since it's been a while since I've seen kills I'm not sure if she meant literally or just figuratively that's I, what I, I thought I thought legend of Michael Myers yeah I thought she was being metaphorical but you know, it, it I, could have been I it's just been so 
long. But the little shudder is what I'm saying. Like the little shudder looked weird. Like he literally did a little shimmy. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. Uh. Okay. Um, I did like how Corey sat at one point, Corey sat up the way Michael does, you know, Michael's classic stand up when he's flying on his back. Corey does that at the radio station, um, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh, when he falls off, when he pretends to kill himself, when he's with Laura, uh, when he's with Allison. Uh, if you notice, he's flat on his back, and then he does the the horizontal sit up that you know Michael is mm. famous for. So that was kind of interesting. And then Michael does do it later in the movie in the sewer after Corey steals his mask. Um, how, which... how how big of a drop do you estimate he took off the bridge when the band leader? Because I, I don't know, he 10 tossed to him over the bridge, I was like, uh, is he dead? <laughs> he should have at least broken something, because it definitely looked like it was at least 10 to 15 feet. Like it was, It's not like he could just reach up and reach uh, the, the platform from the bottom. So I'm, I'm thinking right. maybe 10 yeah. to 20 feet, maybe somewhere in that range. But I, yeah, I, I that... feel like he should have broken a bone at least. But yeah, again, because nothing, I mean, he landed like on his back, like... Exactly, like a yeah, cracked vertebrae. Yeah. And like the back of your head would have smacked the ground, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was out long enough for Michael to, uh, excuse me, drag him into the sewer. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he probably did get a concussion, but just didn't go to the hospital, you know, because he's such a macho guy. <laughs> um, oh, I did like the scene with Lori and Corey. I hate saying that because their names rhyme, but I have to. Um, the scene with Lori and Corey uh, just having that conversation in, in the house, uh, in the house from the cold open where she talks about the two different kinds of evil. I actually did like that scene and I loved how it ended, how Lori basically pulled the Michael and disappeared on him as he's like mid sentence. I thought that was pretty cool. It almost felt like they were maybe gearing a different way that maybe Lori, they, they were going to make Lori the new Haddonfield boogeyman, which uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have been any happier with that, but <laughs> it's something. Uh, let's see. Oh, God, the welding kill. I did like you, you can tell that Corey had a personal um, issue with certain people because he got way more brutal like he was way more brutal with the DJ and the main bully from the marching band because he fuck he takes a well uh, an acetylene torch and just decimates this guy's face. We don't really get to see it very well. We get like a side angle, but you know it's it still. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, not a very Michael like kill. It's not like Michael to use you know industrial tools, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it it added to the scene. I thought exactly. Um, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see it. There were a lot of off-screen kills in this movie, too. Like I, I felt like for the final Halloween movie, there should have been a minimum of off-screen kills. But we still, like, almost half the people that die in this movie are off-screen. And that kind of irks me. You know, whether it's Michael or Corey killing them, it's like, well, how? It's 2022. We really got to do off-screen kills still? Like, what the fuck? And then they, they kind of save, you know, they blow their load on those two kills. Like I said, the DJ and the, and the welding torch. So blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Oh, and it was nice to see Darcy in here, even though we don't get to see Darcy die. I'm sure Darcy was probably disappointed in that. She probably wanted to be killed on screen because I know I would. She mentioned something about it. I think I saw a post where she said that it's probably one of the deleted scenes. 
Oh, so she does get killed on screen at some point? I, I think. I, I don't remember because I was, you know, concentrated on other parts of the sure. post. <laughs> but I, I think I think I saw something about saying that that, was, that, that would happen where she was, I, she said that she was supposed to have been like another part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, I mean, really, she, it's, <laughs> she, she's in it for one, like, what, three seconds? She literally just asks Corey what he wants after he walks into the radio station. And then the camera pans over to the DJ. We hear Darcy scream, and we never see her again, so blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, I'm sure it's still cool for her to be able to say she's in the last Halloween movie, because I'm sure she's a fan. Um, and that's about all I have in my notes. Um, yeah. I actually did write a lot of notes for this, and we actually did go over almost all of them. I've got in all capital letters here, Michael doesn't need a fucking partner. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's about all I got on this movie. It's a flawed final chapter of this franchise. Obviously, some people love it. One podcaster in particular that I know has it as his number one movie of the year. Not going to say anything personal about that. I obviously don't agree with that statement, but that's a tough one. (laughs) Um, But it it does seem to be incredibly divisive. Like, it doesn't seem like there's many people that are middle of the road on this movie. Everybody either seems to really like it or really hate it. And, I mean, that's usually a good thing for movies because it's going to keep the conversation going. You know, if it was a middle of the road movie, kind of like Smile... Nobody's going to be talking about it a week later, and here we are, and no one's talking about smiles. So, um, I don't know. It's it's a forgettable final chapter of the franchise, unless we're talking, like I said, about the last 15 minutes of the movie, which I thoroughly enjoyed and thought was very deserved um, from the town of Haddonfield. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, that, that's about as positive as, as I can say about this film. I mean, if, yeah. I had, if I had to give it a rating, it would be pretty low, sadly. But, you know, it's still, like I said, it's still well-made, not counting the writing. Uh, the writing, obviously, we all have issues with, but aside from the writing, the filmmaking is fine. There's nothing you, wrong with it. Did you say a horror podcaster has this as his number one movie? Number like one movie, movie of, of 2022. Yes, sir. And, it, and it's someone you know that's watched a ton of horror movies this year? Uh, it's 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 a person who watches more horror movies than anyone I know. Oh. Yeah. That, that's, I'm, I'm completely flabbergasted. If it's who I think it is, I'll ask you at the end, of, like, afterwards. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you. Recording, but... I don't want to say it here because I don't want anybody to think I'm being negative. I love the guy. The, the, the person that we're talking about, I love him. I, I have worked with him in the past. But when I saw his updated top 10 list for 2022 and saw Halloween kills at, or Halloween ends at number one, my heart sank a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? But hey. What was his number two? Um, it was also just as ridiculous, but I can't remember what it was. Like most of his list. Ha- I, Halloween ends deleted scenes. No, it was something like, God, I, I don't think it was Smile, but it was something like that. Something that we all thought was underwhelming. And he, mm-hmm. like, has it at his number two. But, yeah. Man, um, if, it, if it's the invitation, I give up. No, I don't think it was. <laughs> something big and glossy like that. <laughs> oh, uh, I'd have more respect for people who like uh, the, in, the Inheritance over uh, – uh, the Inheritance, excuse me. I'm thinking about Friday the 13th. Um the invitation like i would have more respect for people who say that's their favorite movie of the year because 
of the subject matter. You know, some people love Dracula uh, and you know, some people will watch anything with Dracula in it and will love anything with Dracula in it. So even if it's a shitty version of Dracula, but whatever. What if this it has movie, Dra- I don't know. Dracula in it? Hey, well, I'd I'd rather I'd rather Dragula. It's one of the one of the few Rob Zombie songs I can tolerate. Actually, I'm not I'm not a big fan. If you haven't figured it out, <laughs> I liked White Zombie. His solo stuff really didn't do much for me. But that's a conversation for our music podcast. I think that's uh, on Duncan's what metal? What is it called? Metal epidemic or something? Something like that. Yeah, I've only listened to it once or twice. Because he goes over like the most obscure metal bands, and which is cool. Don't get me wrong. There's a great market for that. But, you know, I... I yeah, if, well, he drop metal, is, yeah. if he dropped a metalcore, I'd be into it. Exactly. It's got a lot of metalcore, new me, some, some new metal in there. Yeah, it's stuff I'm not really into for the most part. But it's still a great show. It's Duncan. Everything Duncan does is great. But, uh, yeah. Uh, God, can we go home now? Yeah, I'm getting hungry, yeah. Is yeah. Halloween finally ending? <laughs> you know, I... Oh, God. I, I don't... Obviously, it is an incredibly definitive end to Michael as far as this arc goes, this trilogy, this, you know, storyline, whatever you want to go with. Um, there's no coming back from that. And that is one good thing. I, I will also give the movie credit for not cutting away from that because that's the one that I expected them to cut away from. But no, we we actually get to see Michael ground into fucking hamburger in all its glory. Get to see the okay. head pop and everything. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, I got I got a question. What's up? We can end it on this, and it doesn't even have to be long answers. Um, assuming because like Jamie Lee Curtis is like, no, this is me being done with the franchise, and I'm sure she means like as an actress slash character. If I, I don't even want to say if, I'll say when because there will be Halloween movies in the future. Do you think that the foundation for like a new Halloween movie is still going to be based off Laurie and Michael and they just have to recast it? Or do you think the next iteration totally goes away from the Laurie character period? Because it's not going to be anything to do with Jamie Lee Curtis returning or anything of that. We know that pretty much for sure. So would you say like, just go back to the basics with Laurie and Michael and recast Laurie, or do you think it's better served to just totally do something different? Uh, personally, I think blow the entire thing up and start from scratch. We have gotten 40 plus years of Laurie Strode, one great Laurie Strode and one subpar Laurie Strode. Uh, I won't really speak on that one too much, but <sighs> honestly, I think Laurie, I, we've gotten our fill of Laurie Strode. I, yes, I agree with you. There will be another Halloween movie. It might be, a, you know, a reboot, uh, whatever. Um, but I, I would like them. I don't, I don't know. You're, you're asking me for my opinion. I don't know. But what I would like is to them, yeah, just destroy. Yeah, and erase. more. What would you do? That's what I meant. Like, what oh, that's do? what I would do. I would destroy, erase, improve. Just, just level the entire. Hell, it doesn't even have to be Haddonfield. Fuck it. Put it in a different city for all I care. But I, I, I want to see him do something different. In the sense that it's not Laurie Strode, it's not, you know, it's not Annie, it's not Linda. Like, it's it's a whole new set of friends, a whole new town, maybe even new circumstances. Hell, maybe even a, a, um, a gender swap. <laughs> gender swaps have been popular. Make, make Michelle, up Michelle new cell Myers. Myers. There you go. We, we just wrote half the script for the reboot. 
Well, if you do that, 50% of horror fans already hate it, so... Oh, that's, that's <laughs> a good that. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely don't make her female or black or anything like that. No, but uh, that, that, that's kind of where I would see do? it. I, I would like to see something different, yeah. I mean, if, if I have to be subjected to another Halloween movie, for fuck's sake, don't make it another, you know, Rob Zombie remake. Just blow the whole franchise up and start from scratch. That's what I'd like to see. For me, I'd say 78 happens, but it's been years. Laurie's moved on, and Michael's returned to stock this town once again, and they have to deal with him. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'd be alright. Right. But would you would you set it in like modern modern time, or would you do? No, it's probably. Not I probably would. I'd probably say. I probably say like eighties, yeah, because yeah, I was like, gonna say we don't we don't want an eighties year old, eighty year old. Yeah, but that's the, but... that's the thing because if you say if you say seventy eight happens, then you know you're stuck with that as a definitive date. Yeah. So I'd say seventy eight happened. It's a town myth, you know. It's this big haunting tragedy that's befallen the town, and now five, six years later, it's happening all over again in a new crop of teens or who are familiar with the story because it's been so recent that have grown up with it. They have, they find themselves now dealing with the so mass boogeyman from their parents' stories that have now come to life or something. So you'd basically do a retcon acknowledging the original, but then Lori, the character of Lori's not in. Lori's not in the town anymore. She's, okay. she's moved on. Yeah. It, there's died. I mean, either I, I would say that there's rumors that the survivors left town and nobody knows where she is. Do like what the do like what the fourth one said, where you know she's like changed her name and moved up, moved on. I would recreate that element just to like you know phase in with the you know keep like the storyline continuity, but it would be like a situation where it's an event that happened in their past or recent past, and you know the these teens that have grown up with it who are, you know, who are subjected to these stories that their parents have told them, they now find themselves being stalked by Michael. It makes sense. Yeah, I can see you, that. If you only take the events of the original, then Michael is technically more tied to Haddonfield than he is uh, Lord right. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because it, uh, it right, makes sense why he would still be attached to Hattonfield because that's the only home he's known. Whereas Lori, it was just a random night, and he just happened to see her. And, right. You know, I, I would probably there. i would I would do it that way where it's an event that happened. You know, there's rumors that the survivors left town, and nobody knows, you know, if she's still alive or you know where she is. Like she's just moved on, and nobody, you know, they know that she, there's a survivor. But nobody knows or nobody knows anything. And now, you know, similar events have, caught, have surfaced and, you know, they realize that, you know, the town boogeyman is back once again. So do you guys think that any version of a copycat killer would work in the Halloween franchise? Like, I don't know, something off the top of my head. Uh, Michael dies in the institution. He, he gets old. He dies in the mental hospital, but then another inmate finds his mask, escapes, and goes on his own rampage. Like, do you think there's any version of a copycat Michael that works? I would, buy that, I would buy that only if that's the ending twist. Ooh, that would be cool. So we think it's Michael the whole time, but I would that... buy that as the I would buy that as an ending twist where they pull the mask up and reveal. Wait, who? 
no, that's not Michael. <laughs> they run some DNA tests, and, you know, we get, like, a psycho scene at the end where, you know, yeah, we ran the fingerprints. This is uh, some other guy. I don't think the movie would be great, but I would yeah. probably buy that. I would buy that a little bit more than it being well, known from the very beginning. The characters aren't aware of it, but we, the audience, would be that it's not Michael. I would buy, you know, it being an ending twist that it's, you know, some copycat more than anything. Now, if if they were to do a copycat killer, though, would you write the story to where it's it's like a character that's in the town that you don't realize is the copycat killer till the end? And there's a, a, a like a clear justification, like once it's revealed who it is, it's like, OK, there's a justification where you just do like a totally anonymous copycat killer that they just mm. discover no not totally end. anonymous there, there's got to be a connection like maybe okay. you could even do the additional twist that the fake guy actually killed michael so, in inside so basically like a roy ambulance driver type thing possibly like yeah kind of i mean because jason's not involved in that at all like i would still want michael involved in the sense that like I said, either he dies of natural causes or maybe as a twist, this guy killed Michael, took his mask, and then escaped. I mean, it, it, it's kind of convoluted, I know, but I don't know. And then you'd also run the risk of, you know, if you do it that way, you'd run the risk of, you know, why nobody would find Michael's body and report it. Valid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, and it also depends. Would that be part of a trilogy where it is Michael oh, like in the first one, and then no, no, uh, let's no. not worry about that. Let's just <laughs> yeah, start stop. a standalone. Let's stop start a standalone one, and <laughs> we'll deal with that as, as the time comes. Have we not had enough torturous trilogies? For fuck's sake, <laughs> we don't need any more. I, I just don't, no. I also don't like when we know that a franchise is going to be a trilogy going in. Because it, it makes this, it lowers the stakes for the first two movies. Like with 2018 going into the theater, we didn't know that this was a trilogy yet. It wasn't until the success of the first one that they announced, oh yeah, we're going to keep going with it. Yeah, because they, they, they announced it that Kills, like they announced that Kills would be the second of the trilogy. Exactly. So mm. it's like once they announce that, instantly I'm not interested in the second movie because I know Michael's going to survive the second movie. Unless they do some kind of weird, crazy twist. but Like what we just did. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that, that's valid. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, no more trilogies. for Just uh, filmmakers, don't plan for trilogies. If you make a standalone movie and it becomes successful, then go ahead and do your sequel. But for fuck's sake, take your time. Take the time and the care that you took with the first movie, because that's, that's what's blatantly obvious with this particular trilogy. They had time to do the first one. And it, you could tell that they they had they put a lot of TLC into that movie, you know, a lot of love and care went into that. Whereas these next two, they just felt rushed. They felt like they threw the script together, and they probably filled. Uh, excuse me, they probably filmed kills and ends fairly close to each other, if not back back to back. And that's where I think you do yourself a disservice. Because then you get that middle movie that literally means nothing. Halloween Kills literally meant nothing in this franchise, in this particular trilogy, other than Lori's daughter getting killed. And and when when Halloween Kills came out and we reviewed it, that was one of my biggest complaints, that that was the end. That somehow the death of Judy Greer's character was supposed to somehow affect us to the point that it would be an effective uh, ending. And I hated that ending because I didn't care about that character. 
Honestly, I didn't give a rat's ass about Judy Greer. And I usually like Judy Greer more for her voice acting than her on-screen acting. But I, I just legit didn't care about her. And then when they killed her at the end of Kills, it meant nothing to me. It's like, oh, well, the movie just stopped. It didn't really end. And then we find out Michael just got out of the house and disappeared for fucking four years, which, which is even more far-fetched. So, yeah. Just don't announce that it's going to be a trilogy and take your goddamn time with the second and third chapters, you know? We kind of we saw diminishing returns with the Matrix trilogy. We saw diminishing returns with, I don't know, um, well, most other horror franchises, be it The Purge or, you know, Puppet Master or whatever you want to go with. You know, it's almost always diminishing returns. And it's because they rush these fucking sequels out. They think that they need to rush it out to, you know, kind of piggyback on the success of the first one. And it's like, what's the difference? Like, if if Halloween Kills would have came out this year, do the filmmakers think it would have made less money than if it came out last year? Like, sometimes I feel like that's what they're thinking, that we got to get this movie out as quick as possible and, you know, strike the iron while it's hot. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you should be doing the opposite. Take We're dumb and time. loyal. We'll, we'll stay with you. Yes, exactly. Just for fuck's sake, if, if if you love a franchise, take your time making the goddamn films because it's just going to be incredibly obvious when you rush through it just to get the cash grab out there. And that's that's unfortunate, you know? If they would have taken another year with this movie, maybe, you know, they would have realized that the Corey storyline was stale and maybe they would have rewritten parts of it, make it a little bit better. I don't know. It could have been worse, too. I mean, there, there's also that possibility as well, that it could have just been worse. But I don't know. I, I just and I understand that that's not always possible. You know, sometimes studios, they need these movies made as quickly as possible. Get them out, blah, blah, blah. But it's just it seems like art has died in the movie industry. And honestly, I've been saying that for like 30 years now, <laughs> even though great movies still come out every single year. Um, it just def it just feels like originality just dies a little bit more every day, especially in our genre. So that's about all I got to say. <laughs> all okay. right, well, let's not let uh, our other shows and projects die. So Venom, tell us uh, where else we can hear you and if there's anything new currently. Uh, yeah, um... Uh, Creature Comforts episode 12 was recorded last week. I'm in the process of editing that. We took a look at 2006's uh, Cemetery Gates, a very interesting creature feature. I'll leave it at that until you hear the episode. Um, that should be out this Friday, actually. So a couple of days after you are listening to this episode, that should be out. That's episode two with our guest host, Lacey Liu. Lacey joined Mike and myself as we looked at episode two. Uh, excuse me, Creature Comforts. I, I'm, I'm mixing up my, my podcast. I'm sorry. Creature Comforts, episode 12. Uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, episode two. It will also be out later this week. That's the episode that has Lacey Lou as our guest. I'm sorry. Um, my head is all fucked up because we've been talking about this terrible movie for the last two hours, and I'm starting to feel it. Um, so yeah, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, episode two, guest host Lacey Liu. We look at episode two of Friday the 13th, the series called The Poison Pen. Uh, definitely another fun episode. 
Um, our main show, unfortunately, um, our commentary that was scheduled for this weekend was postponed due to an emergency in the family. Um, hopefully, we'll get that out at least before Halloween, since it is our traditional Halloween commentary. And then episode 49 of the main show is in the planning stages right now. It'll be Derek's picks for that one. So um, hopefully we'll have that out sooner than later. Don't hold your breath, though. But, you know, we're trying. Uh, and that's about it for me. I still got a guest spot coming up on Cuts of the Chase. I have no idea when it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I think Lacey Lou is actually uh, maybe scared to hit me up because I told her how much I hate Adam Sandler and I was assigned an Adam Sandler movie. I hope that's not mm -hmm. the case because trust me, I don't need an excuse to rip on Adam Sandler for an hour and a half. So <laughs> Lacey, let's do this episode. I'm not looking forward to watching the movie. It's that Hubie Halloween from last year. I have, I've never seen it. I know some people said it was pretty good. Some people said it was awful. I personally can't stand Adam Sandler. Uh, we kind of went over that <laughs> during Crystal Lake gift shop. So uh, hopefully I didn't scare off Lacey to uh, my guest spot. But yeah, uh, that'll be happening hopefully sooner than later before Halloween, I would imagine, as it is a thrills and chills episode. And that's pretty much it for me, folks. All right. I'll throw it over to Tom. What do you got? Uh, not much else. Uh, Creature Comforts is uh, recorded, should be out soon. Um, I'm also in the process of waiting for Thrills and Chills. Um, although Venom does have a leg up on me in that he knows what movie he's covering, I don't. Uh, because Lacey hasn't contacted me with what my film is. So um, not only do I not have a recording date, I don't have a target. So <laughs> You can have Hubie Halloween. I'll do that because you're a friend. Aw, <laughs> don't I feel special? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah, the uh, upcoming, the uh, second season of uh, Horror Countdown will come back soon enough. Uh, until then, you can check out season one uh, available wherever you have your shows. But uh, yeah, that's all for me. All right. Cool. Um, as far as I go, pretty much same boat. Nothing uh, new out yet. But I also have a guest spot on Cut to the Chase, Thrills, and Chills. My assigned movie is Idle Hands. And, uh, oh, that would think, have been yeah, yeah, I think uh, we're supposed to be scheduling our recording sometime this week or weekend. So hopefully, because... I mean, where we're sitting at in October, once we get past this weekend, it's basically that final home stretch of October. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's hope it's recorded. <laughs> Along with our commentary, we need to get... Yeah, exactly. Uh, at least commentary... Yeah, at least commentaries tend to be more, like, anytime friendly, just because, yep. you know, how they work. But uh, otherwise, yeah, that's all I got. Um, is I know there's a theatrical release the last week of October. Is there something this week, too? Not theatrical. You know? We got Dark Glasses and VHS 99 come out this week. Oh, well, well, Dark Glasses is already out. VHS. Yeah, Dark Glasses was uh, Dark Glasses was before Hall it was a uh, day before Halloween. Mm -hmm. A day before Halloween ends. I'm sorry. Yeah. And we're still oh, waiting so for VHS. VHS I think VHS 99 is later this week. Yeah. Well, so we've got know. options. I figure we'll do one and then we'll probably do the other one the following week. What's the theatrical movie in, at the end of October? I forgot. Isn't it, isn't it that whatever the 
that nun exorcist. Oh, the exorcism movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I yeah. forgot what the, I forgot the name of it, but I've seen ads for it like every, every movie I've seen the past two months. Yeah, I usually get a trailer for it. I heard the trailer because when I go to the theater, I tend to look down at the floor while the trailers are playing. I'm such a dumbass. I don't like watching trailers. Usually, I'll bring my Apple AirPods with me, and so that I don't hear it either. But when I went to see Halloween, I actually forgot my AirPods, so I had to basically just look down at the ground while the trailers were playing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I pulled I a JP. <laughs> I think Piggy just released too. Yes, and I heard that was halfway decent. So I don't know. We got options. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing about this time of year is there's going to be so much new stuff that yeah. we don't even cover on the show. I mean, you know, um, Don had a point with Dark Glasses. I mean, it's it's you know Argento's you know first genre movie in a bit. Um, it seems to be getting some pretty decent buzz, so it seems to be the obvious choice. Obviously, for me, VHS 99 is my most anticipated movie of the month, as 94 was in my top 10 last year. Absolutely loved it. And I actually just finished rewatching all four of them. Um, my rating on VHS Viral actually went up a little bit on this watch. I actually enjoyed it a little bit more. The wraparound is still garbage, but the segments weren't too bad. And then VHS 95, ear-to-ear grin the whole fucking movie. <laughs> I just love that goddamn movie. So, you know, fingers crossed that 99 kind of keeps that trend going. Wait, yeah, we're looking for What's that? No, uh, yeah. Uh, no, 99 uh, is the new one. No, I was going to say that you got the uh, years mixed up. 94 is the one from last year. Right. 99 is the one this year. And then 85 yeah. is the one from next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even worried about next year. <laughs> That's a whole other animal. But yeah, 94 and 99. I was, I was just saying that, yeah, you got the uh, years mixed up. But oh, yeah, no worries. Okay. Yeah, because you said 95. I thought you said 95. But I was like, wait a minute. When oh, 95, 95. Yeah, 95, 94. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, folks, I don't know about you. Halloween ends has ended for us. Not Halloween itself, but the ends. So uh, if, if, you're, if you're in our boat... Hopefully it's ended for you as well. But if not, then you're like, no, it's it's just begun, and I will be watching it again. Oh, well, good um, for you if you liked it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for me, um, Halloween has definitely ended to the point where I'm not even going to watch another Halloween movie this month. I literally have had my fill over the last couple of years. So this is going to be the first Halloween in a couple of well, a couple of decades that I don't watch Halloween '78. I just have no interest in looking at Michael Myers this month. I'm just kind of done. So, yeah, that, that kind of tells you where Halloween ends left me as I'm walking out of the theater. I don't even want to watch 78 right now. God damn it. Yeah, I, I'm just going to watch trick saving trick the twice. first three for next week. The 4Ks. I may watch Season of the Witch because I did get that 4K as well. But I'm not I, I don't want to look at Michael Myers face the rest of this year. I'm just <laughs> done. Well, maybe next year I'll revisit the trilogy, but yeah, I'm done for now. All right. As is this episode. So thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And I guess it's time to say bye listeners. So let's say bye. Later. Evil gets fucked up tonight. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>